Coming up on Studio Berlin. The pipeline runs from Russia, right around St. Petersburg, directly to Germany along the floor of the Baltic Sea. The controversy behind the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, why some countries are against it, and why Germany stands by it. If you ask the, the German government, they would say something along the lines of, you know, this is our sovereign right to decide how we secure our energy needs. We don't really um, consider this higher share of Russian gas as an issue. President Trump has called the project a, quote, horrible thing, and the U.S. Congress is taking steps that could lead to sanctions against companies involved in the project. A closer look at the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, coming up next. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week, we're taking a closer look at the events shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. So have you heard of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Not really. I know that there's something going on, but I don't know really about it. No, I've never heard of it before today. It's controversial in press. I think it's totally okay. It's uh, important for me that Russia is part of Europe. Yeah, I think being a country like Germany and the history with the Soviet, I think if you're dependent on Soviets for anything, it would be a difficult time for you ahead. I don't really see it as an issue. I think I really like the idea of lots of countries being interdependent on one another. I'm your host, Eric Kirschbaum, and in today's show, we are discussing Nord Stream 2, the controversial pipeline being built right now from Russia to Germany. Joining me in the studio is Andrew Adair. He's an American lawyer and political advisor based in both Washington, D.C. and Berlin, who specializes in translating Washington for Germany. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Eric. So maybe you can tell us here in Berlin, in Germany, why is this such a big deal? Why is the United States government, the Trump administration, so opposed to Germany building this gas pipeline from Russia to Germany? What's the problem? Yeah, in short, it really has to do with not so much with Germany, it has to do with Russia. Um, since 2014, that's been sort of a big turning point in geopolitics. You know, Russia annexed the Crimea and started a war in eastern Ukraine, and that it's a shooting war that's still going on today. So really the way, when you look at things geopolitically, the way Washington, the way the United States government views Russia has changed dramatically in the last five years. So this pipeline that we're about to talk about is really just one piece in a larger puzzle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just the United States. A lot of the European Union countries are opposed to this as well, right? Poland and the Baltic countries are really upset with Germany for going going on, on their own on this, aren't they? Yes, even within Europe, Germany has caused quite a bit of controversy with this. But I, I think stepping back, I think it's it's also relevant to point out that the pipeline opened in 2011. So this has been going on for a while. The pipeline runs from Russia, right around St. Petersburg, directly to Germany along the floor of the Baltic Sea. So it bypasses Poland and Ukraine, which have historically been the countries through which Russia pipes its gas to uh, Western Europe. And they collect a lot of transit fees, too, for that Russian gas coming to Western Europe, don't they? That's right. That's a key point, is that Ukraine, for example, collects you know, over $2 billion a year in transit fees, which is 
about 3% of its GDP. So a huge amount of its national economy comes from collecting transit fees from gas going from Russia to Western Europe. So why is Germany upsetting its close allies in Poland and Ukraine and the Baltics by building this pipeline? I mean, they already built the first one in 2011, and now they want to double the capacity with another 55 billion cubic meters of gas. Why are they doing this? Why are they upsetting other European countries? I'm a little bit more of an expert on the U.S. side, I think. But um, I think if you asked the Germans, they would say, well, first of all, we started doing this in 2011 before Russia engaged in this campaign of malign activities. And invaded uh, Crimea and Ukraine. That's right. And then decided to double the capacity of this existing project. Gas started flowing in 2011. You know, this is back when even Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, you know, were looking at Russia as a partner. So the way the entire West views Russia has changed dramatically in the last five years. But I also think, you know, if you asked the, the German government, they would say something along the lines of, you know, this is our sovereign right to decide how we secure our energy needs. Um, this is, you know, an avenue that we have to diversify. We want a, a diverse supply of energy from various sources, and this is a way to secure that energy supply. But the American argument is that they're going to become too dependent on Russian gas, isn't it? Isn't that the thing that bothers the United States the most? That is that is absolutely um, an argument. I, I think, though, that more the two real fundamental things that are animating this discussion in Congress and in Washington are, number one, to sanction Russia economically, so to deprive Russia of this source of revenue or this source of leverage, number one. And number two... Uh, it's stated in in black and white that the, the U.S. wants to sell its own energy. So, you know, the U.S. is, is coming in and saying, hey, don't buy your energy from Russia. First of all, it, it, it gives Russia more leverage against Ukraine. Second of all, we have an alternative, which is uh, liquefied natural gas from the United States. The fracking revolution has created, has made the United States an energy exporter. And now... Um, that is a, a, a way to fill the gap. And so that's been the argument of the U.S. President Trump has spoken out often against the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. He's not very happy about it. Um, Trump has been very colorful in his language. Let's listen to what he said recently about the pipeline. Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. Yeah, that's an interesting um, comment there. That was that took place in June of 2018 at a breakfast in Brussels right before the, the big NATO summit. So that was Trump talking to reporters with Jens Stoltenberg, the, um, the, the chairman of NATO, at the table. And Angela Merkel actually had a, a, an interesting retort the very next day. She said... You know, Mr. President, I grew up in um, East Germany in the DDR where we truly were a captive of Russia and where our decisions were controlled by Moscow. And now, thankfully, Germany is united in freedom and we make our decisions independently through a democracy. So that was her response to that colorful quote. Yeah, there's a lot of skeptical people in Germany who think it's just uh, the American president looking out for business interests. And maybe that's part of the equation. But Everything I've been hearing from Washington says that it's really security issues. They're really concerned about the security implications of giving so much money to Russia. And um, Congress had a 20 to 2 vote, I guess, in June in favor of sanctions. It's one of the few issues in Washington that seems to have the Democrats 
and Republicans United, they really seem determined to impose sanctions on these companies that are finishing the pipeline now, right? That's that's the big issue that's about to erupt on us here in Germany, isn't it? Yes. So there have been a wave of American sanctions since 2014. And so this is one, just yet another um, element of that wave. But that's exactly right. This is really kind of a critical juncture now. Congress has returned to Washington on Monday, uh, on, on uh, you know, September 9th, after a, a long summer recess. A bill that specifically targets the Nord Stream 2 project, which is three quarters done now, by the way. So the, the goal of, of Congress and the goal of the United States is to uh, substantially delay or even kill the project altogether. So this bill passed what you just referred to, passed a Senate committee by a vote of 20 to 2, and also passed the same bill passed in the House um, unanimously. So the bill has to pass both House and Senate and has so far passed the committee stage. And that's basically the the last stop on the train before it gets a full vote in the Senate and a full vote in the House, which is what many people expect to happen this fall. Right. And that full vote um, could really stop this project dead in its tracks, couldn't it? The companies will probably be more concerned about the U.S. sanctions than finishing the job. Is that right? Yeah. So the the, the, the approach that um, previous iterations of this bill have used were to go after the partners, the energy companies that are partnering with Gazprom on this project. Gazprom is actually already sanctioned in in some ways, you know, under this 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 wave of sanctions that I just referred to. But the the real issue is the the non-Russian companies. So in in this case, there's five European partners. Two of them are German energy companies that are partnering with Gazprom on the pipeline. Congress is now taking a more surgical approach, which is actually to go after the companies that are building the pipeline. So Instead of, you know, sanctioning, uh, you know, a DAX company, for example, and, you know, kind of creating this big rupture in the global economy, you sanction a much smaller company uh, building the pipeline, which is a much more surgical approach. And in fact, what they what they would expect is the same thing that German companies have done in the wake of the Iran sanctions, which is just get out of the way. You know, if the choice is to finish building the pipeline on one hand, and be sanctioned by the United States versus stop building the pipeline and go off and do another project, they're going to choose the latter. Do you think Germany recognizes this yet? I mean, if you look in the German newspapers, you don't see much about Nord Stream 2. I, I have the feeling the Germans have their head in the sand about this. They think we'll just ram it through, get it finished, and that'll be the end of the day. Is that short-sighted? Are they making a mistake not to have this on their horizon a bit more? Well, certainly the German government, is, is it's on their radar. There's no question about that. You know, Germany has one of its biggest embassies is in Washington, and they are well aware of the the stakes of this debate, and they're very much in tune with what Congress is doing. In terms of the you know the man on the street, so to so to speak, I'm not sure, but I I will say that you know one of the big arguments that Germany is making in Washington right now is, you know, hey, this is this is our autonomy. This is our decision to make about where we secure our energy and where we secure our resources. You know, if you, the United States, were, you know, decided to do a deal with Cuba and, you know, we came in and tried to intervene, you can bet your bottom dollar there would be, you know, shouting from the highest rooftops about it. So why don't you stay in your lane over there and let us do European energy on our terms? 
Okay, you're listening to KCRW Berlin. We're going to take a short break right now. And when we come back, we'll bring in Till Bullmann into the conversation. He's an energy expert from DIHK, the Association of German Chambers of Industry and Commerce. Stay with us. Public radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. You can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Next time on LA Theatre Works, the surprising true life backstory of the 1993 Oslo Accords. Israel will not sacrifice its security. And you will never have that security, Mr. Savir, until you make peace with us. Oslo by J.T. Rogers, the 2017 Tony winner for Best Play. Next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Catch the all-new L.A. Theatre Works this Sunday at 7 p.m. on KCRW Berlin. Hey, you. You've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, Better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, The Takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Eric Kirschbaum. I'm an author and freelance writer in Berlin and produce stories on Germany for the Los Angeles Times. Today we're talking about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. With me today in the studio is Andrew Adair. He's an American lawyer and political advisor based in Washington, D.C. in Berlin who specializes in translating Washington for Germany. Good to have you, Andrew. Hi, Eric. And now joining the conversation on the phone is Till Bullmann, He's an energy expert at DIHK, the Association of German Chambers of Industry and Commerce. Good to have you here, Till. Hello. Uh, so, Till, where do you stand on the pipeline, uh, Nord Stream 2? Do you think it's important for Germany, for Europe? And are there any concerns you have about the pipeline and the controversy it's causing with Washington? Um, to put it, uh, the first thing is, um, since we are businesses and a business organization, so we look from an economic perspective on an issue. And first what we see is that Europe is a huge market for natural gas, with uh, Germany having the largest share in it. We use nearly 100 BCM per year. That's, of course, not that much as the U.S., but still it's a huge market. And at the same time in Germany and in Europe in general, there are two developments. On the one hand, we have this uh, a huge um, focus on climate protection policies. And on the other hand, domestic gas production exploration is diminishing or shrinking. And on and the one hand, gas production in Europe itself is declining in the 2020s more sharply. So we have to close this import gap anyway. On the other hand, we are facing out in Germany electricity production from nuclear power and in the 2020s also from uh, coal firing for climate protection reasons. And on the demand side, on the other hand, consumption by industry will remain stable and we will even see more demand in the electricity sector. 
And uh, until we have enough CO2-free power generation, we need more natural gas uh, for electricity production. And thus, Europe and Germany will rely on more gas imports for a certain period of time. And this makes new import infrastructure definitely necessary. And companies also see those business opportunities. So does Gazprom from Russia, and so also do investors into LNG terminals um, from, from the U.S. and from Germany as well. And so we welcome actually every import, new import infrastructure that diversifies our supply and, and also enhances security of supply uh, in Europe. And, and that encompasses, of course, Nord Stream 2 and all those two LNG terminals that are planned to be built in the, uh, in the near future in Germany, because all those infrastructures can ensure a low-cost and secure supply of natural gas for companies and also uh, households in Germany. You mentioned that the idea of the pipeline is to diversify, but Nord Stream 2, won't this make Germany more dependent on Russia as a source of natural gas? Well, you must know that the German gas market is not an island in the entire European Union. Um, German gas market works in the setting of an European internal market, and thus those national relationships to third-party suppliers partly lose their relevance. And you also must know that the plant capacity from Nord Stream is planned to be used to deliver gas to all over Western Europe, not only a small part of it to Germany itself. But what is crucial to German business and the economy as a whole, that gas should flow freely within the eternal market in Europe, because this contributes most to security of supply and prices for companies. And uh, in our European politics in Berlin and Brussels should more focus on that goal to guarantee the free flow of gas within Europe than instead uh, get lost in those detailed regulation on certain pipelines. And um, so we don't really um, consider this higher share of Russian gas as an issue. You should rather put it uh, on, a, on a European level. But as long as we have enough suppliers and a lot of competition, there should be no worry about it. As Andrew Adair mentioned earlier, um, the Congress is getting ready to take steps that could lead to sanctions against the companies that are working on the pipeline. And U.S. President Trump has come out really strongly against the pipeline. Is that going to have an impact in Germany? Do you think the people in Germany are aware of how dangerous the situation could be, that Congress could stop this pipeline from being finished? About, about the population, I can't say anything, but I know that the companies are, of course, or business in general, are a little bit worried about the entire development in, on, on trade and, and also this issue in, in specifically. But um, for now, this didn't have an impact. Since you must know that this project does have all its permissions to get built. And since it's based on a rule of law basis, um, and that's what companies should be based on their decisions, you know, there should not be any worry about this. Um, this should be politically overruled. And uh, from an economic perspective, from business perspective on that, um, we need this trust into rule of law and those permissions that have been given, since this is a signal to the in- entire economy in general. Right. I think Denmark hasn't given permission yet, right? Denmark is the one country that still hasn't given the pipeline permission. Denmark not agreeing yet is is a potential problem, isn't it, for the pipeline? Well, this might be something you should ask um, the Nord Stream Consortium, but delaying factors 
might occur, but um, but a general risk for completing the pipeline um, uh, we don't see. As far as I understand it, Denmark can slow down the process of the pipeline by denying certain approvals, but it can't actually block the pipeline. That's this, I do have the same understanding. I'd like to ask Tid a question, if I may. Sure. Um, Tid, what's your sense of the consequences if the Nord Stream 2 pipeline were indeed blocked? If tomorrow sanctions were to come from the United States and the companies building the pipeline said, you know what, we're going to stop, we're going to go do something else now, and the, the project were to just end, what is your sense of the impact that would have on the energy market, on German business, et cetera? On the first, I would say there are economic losses because uh, all those investments that have been made already, and uh, since Nord Stream 2 is beneficial to companies in general because of the prospect of lower prices, that might be in the, in the long run uh, a problem. And third, it's not good for the trust in the decision-making of public authorities. So trust in uh, this uh, decision-making would be, would be hurt. And, of course, gas prices might go up uh, since in the near future we need additional gas supply. So there might be additional quantities from somewhere else, might be through the, um, the Ukraine pipeline system or from the use of, of LNG infrastructure will be, of course, higher. But uh, we expect higher gas prices in general. So, Till, climate activists have also raised concerns about this project undermining climate change goals. What would you say to them? Well, we have to, to look at what happened in Germany in, in the beginning of this year. In Germany, business organizations, NGOs, including environmental groups, agreed upon the organized exit from coal firing by 2038. And this compromise takes into account also uh, aspects of security of supply and price developments. And to be clear about that, gas helps to achieve the European climate targets in the, in the midterm. And when we look at the, this perspective for 2030 or even 2040, but in the long run, of course, when we go closer to 2050 and we have this uh, 80 to 95% CO2 reduction goals, companies will probably not demand pure fossil natural gas anymore. So the content of the pipeline might change. This, but the pipeline itself as a means of transport does not undermine the goals in climate policy. Right. We all know that um, natural gas is cleaner than coal. So by switching away from coal into using more natural gas before the renewable sector can be built up even further will help, in theory anyway, Germany achieve its ambitious climate change goals on reducing CO2. So that's an interesting point, that Russian gas will help Germany reduce its CO2 in theory, won't it? What are gas, natural gas in general? No? That does not ex- exclude natural gas from anywhere else, gas uh, as a fuel in general is cleaner than, than, than oil or, or especially as coal, so it will help achieving climate goals. So it sounds like German industry is completely behind Nord Stream 2, and they do want this pipeline to be completed, and they're happy that former Chancellor Gerhard Schröder is on the supervisory board of Gazprom, right? I don't think that German businesses are are thinking about Gerhard Schröder being on a board of, of Nord Stream, but most companies can do their counting and see that um, 
the prospect of a secure and, and price-worthy supply of natural gas is good to their business environment and to their competitivity uh, worldwide, and that's why they prefer a, a supply that, that is cheaper than from somewhere else. And that includes that Nord Stream 2 is beneficial to the economy in general. Okay, thanks, Till. It looks like we're running out of time again already. That's it for today's show. A big thanks to our guest today for joining me. Andrew Adair was here. He's an American lawyer and political advisor based in Washington, D.C. and Berlin who specializes in translating Washington for Germany. And Andrew used to work in Congress. Thank you. And also on the show today was Till Bullman. He's an energy expert at DIHK, the Association of German Chambers of Industry and Commerce. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm Eric Kirschbaum. Make sure to tune in next Saturday and have a great weekend.